Hello and welcome to What A Hits One, episode 10. Yes, that's right, we officially have hit the double figures. Today I'm joined again by Thomas Connell to talk football. Welcome again, Tommy. Nice to have you back and now a regular on the, the show. Thanks very much, Keen, man. Uh, yeah, congratulations on 10 episodes. Hopefully um, the views can go up with the episodes as well. Fingers crossed, we'll try and put a, a balanced view on things as much as we can. And as a regular, yeah, I suppose I am. I presume no one else texts you to be on, so you're stuck with me for a while. Ah, no, it's just a lot of people busy. It's hard to, to fit them in. And it's just nice to, to have like someone cons- consistently on, I suppose. Um, like I still have... Um, uh, one or two that I'm trying to fit in it's just obviously with the um, schedule like one obviously being abroad it's very hard to kind of to get them in but um, I also have um, a band I won't mention the band name but they hopefully will be soon as well and um, coming on nice. to speak um, so I suppose one of the biggest stories I think from the last week to touch base on is obviously Thomas Tuchel was sacked by PSG uh, last week. Now they've yet to name uh, some a person to succeed, but it's looking more likely it'll be Mauricio Pochettino, who managed Spurs, uh, Southampton, and Espanyol. Um, so I suppose the first question I have is uh, obviously, do you think Pochettino, if if um, select if recruited obviously by PSG, do you think he'll uh, succeed? for them or do you think it'll be a difficult task for him well i suppose when you're measuring success by psg standards the only success they care about is champions league because everything else is pretty trivial to them like even unai emery unai emery thomas tuchel you know did very well domestically for them i know Unai emery had a, had a his first season where monaco won the title which obviously probably marred his a bit but he went on and won the title his second season again um, Tuchel, I don't know. He, he, I suppose he was the closest manager to bring them to that Champions, elusive Champions League. Um, and I don't know. I suppose they've had a bad start to, this season as well. PSG, uh, they kind of had a massive hangover from the Champions League, and it, kinda, it went into this season. They have to be obviously picking up a few more points now. But I don't know. It's very hard to to measure, it, like how a manager will be successful there. Only winning the Champions League is what will do it. No matter how hard you're working. They don't want a long-term project. They don't want a medium-term project. They want the here and now. They, they're basically managing their club, the owners, you know, on a, nearly on a month-to-month basis. You know, if you don't do well one month, you're gone. You do well another month, okay, you have another month to try and prove it. You know, I don't know. I, I think Pochettino would be good for them. Um, but you see, the problem with PSG is that you've players like Neymar, who I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to be a bit biased. I'm not a fan of Neymar. When you have a player at the club who thinks he's bigger than the club, yeah. even if that may be true in a way, I don't know. Because I, here, look, a player, no player should be bigger than any club. But yeah. like, it might no, be a totally little bit agree. true with Neymar and PSG. So I don't know. It's it's very it's how you get the man, the man, the manager and the character to be able to deal with someone like Neymar. I think if it was up to me, I don't think Neymar is a good enough footballer to uh, have as that much of a burden. Compared to how much baggage he brings, he's not good enough to outweigh that. I don't think. He hasn't proven it by himself. He's proven it with Messi and Suarez. But that's what Messi and Suarez. He hasn't proven it to be as... He's a, good, he's a great footballer, don't get me wrong. One of the best technically gifted footballers in the world. Absolutely no doubt. But he's just not on the same standing as a Messi, as a Ronaldo to warrant a baggage. Like, Messi doesn't really come with baggage. Ronaldo doesn't come with much. He comes with a little bit. 
but neither of them come with uh, put put Ronaldo and Messi together and they, and combined and they don't come with the same amount of baggage that Neymar would. So I don't know, man. I don't think the problem is with Thomas Tuchel. I think he was doing a good job. Yeah, and like I think the problem I, is with some of the players in that I, club. I do agree with you there. Like I I don't understand why he was sacked in the first place. Like he got them to their first ever Champions League final. Like that's first off, that's something that no other manager they've had has done and I know they might have had one or two poor results obviously in the Champions League this season or weren't performing and weren't against but they were still going on their runs of wins as well whether it be in the league or that but I don't know what Pochettino could do different that Tuchel what what uh, was doing in there Um, obviously now it's looking like if he comes in he's looking at one or two players already like I, I was just looking at the rumours today that if he comes in, he's looking at bringing Deli Ali to PSG, and he's also looking at Wilfred Zaha from Crystal Palace as well. So obviously he's looking to maybe change things up in the team. First thing I I would agree with you there. I think the first player you'd look at in that team is Neymar. I don't. I honestly just don't see the hype about him. Like he performs performs more for his country than he does for his his club. Um, and I think in the big games for PSG, he's the one player that goes missing for them um, too many times. Like, obviously, when um, the Champions League returned in the summer, uh, obviously for the summer tournament, uh, Neymar, I think, was completely missing throughout that tournament. It was only, it was really Mbappe's show. Um, also, I suppose one thing I would ask then as well is, what do you think they're missing obviously in that team like what's kind of the main thing that they're missing uh, when you look at them obviously to be up there and challenging for the Champions Leagues regularly character 100% character they don't have like look it's, it, character can be very vague there's different types of characters and Neymar is certainly a character of the ilk which just cheeses off a lot of people yeah he's a little money bastard who if it doesn't go his way you know, he'll throw his toys out of pram and try and bring people with him. He's kind of like David Luiz in a small bit, in a way. Just He's worse than David Luiz because, you know, David Luiz will do it in a sly way, but Neymar seems to do it very publicly when he's unhappy with someone or something to do with a club that he's at. He got his move from Barcelona because he was unhappy there, and now he's in PSG. He's had problems on and off the pitch with PSG as well. PSG hasn't, haven't disciplined him accordingly because, you know, he's Neymar. If you discipline Neymar at a club, he's going to he's going to walk and they obviously don't want him to walk. And that's why, you know, he wasn't disciplined. There's no leash on Neymar. Yeah. And I think, I think what they're, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's so much what they're missing. I think it's so much they need to get rid of what they have. And I'm sorry, like not every team that wins the Champions League has that one top three player in the world. I don't think. And I think you, you put, you put all your, your, uh, your eggs in, in the Mbappe basket. I don't think you need a Neymar when you have an Mbappe. Yeah. Different Definitely, players totally in a way. Agree. Obviously, they're they're similar in others. I don't know their form. They've only lost four matches this season, drawn two, and are, are one point behind Lille and Leon sitting in third. So, you know, here look, it's hard. It's hard to know. You know that I I don't know enough about them to, to know what they're missing. But I just think that when you've you've someone who's going to undermine everyone that comes in, like Neymar will and does. Not only him, the people that's around him as well, his agent, his family, blowing smoke up his hole all the way through every season. 
saying he's better than this, better than better than this guy, better than this manager. He knows best, you know, fucking babied all the way through. He's just a nuisance. I don't like him. <laughs> I really don't like him. Can you yeah. tell? But like, no, I just think he. I think he's a hindrance. Now I don't like PSG either. I think what they stand for ethically is, is like, is wrong. Basically, they're they're you yeah, know, the the people who own them are very very you know evil and corrupt people. That's another conversation for another time. So they don't mind that kind of carry on, and they're ruthless as well. So here, look, I think it's very much they just need to find consistency. They got to a Champions League final, so you know that's progress. Their first Champions League final, that's progress. And the only manager that brought them to a Champions League final, they've sacked. So it just goes to show that I don't think people at that club have a clue. Yeah, like, I suppose you look at it, they're 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 kind of one of those teams like Manchester City. They spend, 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 spend. And everyone questions where they get this money from, obviously, um, in regards to it. Like, obviously, a few seasons ago when they purchased Neymar and then agreed a deal to purchase Mbappe as well, which was nearly over about three or 400 million altogether, kind of with add-ons and that, um, which I think was ridiculous, like how they got away with that. They didn't get any sort of punishment or that. Like clearly, obviously, financially, there's no way they, they could have afforded that for what they were obviously making in regards to sales. And then, Obviously, recruitment-wise, like they're bringing in loads of these players, and they're not performing as much. Now, looking at the team myself, like what I would say they're missing is I think they're missing that. Uh, you can see this season that that Thiago Silva in there, someone who's a captain or that is missing in there. I don't think they have that kind of person to push them um, defensively or that. Like I. You look at their defence, I think the standout defender for them is Kimpembe. Other than that, I look at the other players, I don't think they're good enough. Marquinhos sometimes is playing in, in at centre mid rather than in defence sometimes. like and I don't really rate him compared to Kimpembe. And I think that is something that they probably need to work on if they want to be challenging for uh, the, the Champions League and that is they need that kind of good defence um, attacking wise they've got great talent obviously in Kylian Mbappe and I think best thing would be to obviously cut their losses with Neymar because I just don't think he's a good um, player to have in there obviously with how I would say on the pitch he's, he's selfish uh, even and like even was it a few seasons ago he was talking about going back to Barcelona and then when it didn't materialise he acted like uh, a baby with, with uh, his toys throwing them out at the pram you know so I, I just think that they're better off nearly cutting their losses and selling them on to someone else to to deal with yeah well I don't think the defence is much of a problem for them to be honest because you look at yeah. Bayern Munich and they don't really have a great defence I don't think they do I just think the difference between PSG obviously and, and Bayern Munich is that they had that connection the autoritisms, as the Germans would say, between midfield and attack, they had their their connections were better. They played as a team, yeah. you know. And whereas PSG are a bunch of individuals, because you know, are you going to tell me that Jerome Boateng is a better player than Marquinhos? I don't think he is. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a better player than Thiago Silva, and he played for the Champions League final. 
you know, Nicolas Schule, good footballer, but none of these defenders stand out. You've obviously Alfonso Davis, who's more known for getting forward than is defending. Same with David Alaba. Yeah. You know, they're not, they don't, Bayern Munich don't have a fantastic defense either. So you don't have to win a Champions League with a fantastic defense. No way, do you? You just have to get that part, the top end of the pitch right. And yeah. I think that Bayern Munich can get those connections right and they've recruited well in those areas and they play like a team, whereas PSG play as a bunch of individuals. And yeah, you, no matter true. how good you are, if you play as a bunch of individuals, you're not going to get anywhere. Absolutely nowhere at all. So, look, I don't know. I just think it's, it's hard to know what they need. Um, but, look, but the amount of attacking talent, like their forward line, they've killing Mbappe, Mar- Mario Accardi, Neymar and, and uh, Keane is with them now as well. Moise Keane, their midfield... Marco Verratti, Leandro Perez, and Angel B. Di Marina, Di Maria, Rafinha, Daniela Pereira, Pablo Sabrina, uh, Sanabria, sorry, Ander Herrera, Julian Draxler, Idrissa Gay. You know, they're not bad players. <laughs> and I just think, I don't know, I didn't watch them enough. I don't know if Tuchel got enough out of them as regards the connectivity. He did in the Champions League, and that's why they got as far as they did. But um, yeah, here, look, I, every. Every team needs that one defender that will lift everyone, like a Virgil van Dijk, like I always mention. Yeah. Very hard to get, yeah. but I don't think it's the be-all and end-all in order to win the Champions League. Yeah, true. Um, and I suppose it's something kind of we'll have to see kind of what what they kind of do, obviously, with the the uh, the January transfer window literally only being a few days away from opening. Um, it will be kind of interesting to see kind of where clubs go looking. Now, I do think PSG will be busy, whether it's through loan deals like they did in the summer or whether it's through, obviously, purchasing players for to be purchased in the summer or agreeing deals that way. Um, obviously, it also is going to be a busy market, obviously, for all the uh, players who are going to be free agents in the summer. So, obviously anyone who contract runs out in the summer can uh, agree to an agreement um, with uh, any club kind of to transfer to them in the summer if they do not agree a deal with their club. So obviously Messi falls into that bracket, but he's even said himself that he, he's not going to decide until the summer, it looks like anyway himself. Um, but I suppose with the January transfer window opening soon, kind of do you see any kind of anything huge happening across the big sides in Europe and the Premier League? Uh, it's hard to know. I think you hit the nail on the head there with loan deals. I think you will see a lot more. We have seen them and we will continue to see in January loan deals. I still think it's a COVID-impacted market. Um, so there, I, don't, I, I don't foresee any huge um, incomings or outcomings anywhere, to be honest. Um and if there are, I don't think they'll be at a massive price, or certainly no, not like we've seen before with Virgil Van Dijk, seventy-five million. You know, it's 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 definitely. I don't think anything will happen along them lines. Um, I don't know. I can only really speak for Arsenal at the minute as regards transfers or what I think they might or might not do. Uh, but I think a lot of business in this January transfer window will revolve around loan deals, and will we probably won't see a lot of them until the end of the window. Um. Because it's just it's January just seems to be that's the way it works out, uh, especially in the January window. You know, a lot of deals happen in the last week uh, of the window, and I think this year it'll be we'll see the biggest deal will probably be a loan deal. Uh, yeah. No matter who's going where, I don't know who it'll be, but the biggest name we'll see will definitely be on loan somewhere. I think. 
Yeah, I, I do do that. Um, obviously, then like looking at it, kind of, is there anyone kind of you can identify that needs anything in particular? Obviously, obviously with Arsenal, like the first thing everyone says is creativity. They need someone creative, obviously, to come in. They're probably I know Emil Smith Rose fitting in well into that bracket, but with him being so young, kind of they can't just rely at all on him. Like so, I think that'd be something that we could see on a loan deal, maybe. Whether uh, obviously one of the rumored names is uh, Isco from Real Madrid, uh, and then obviously Husamawar is always up there, obviously with with the headlines. So, kind of, is there any other teams kind of that you can identify something that they need? Um, well, I just seen Liverpool drew with uh with Newcastle there tonight. Obviously, what I'm about to say wouldn't have impacted that result, I don't think. But I really think they need to get a defender in. Um, I think that kind of contradicts what I was saying as regards big money move. Uh, uh, what I'm about to say, I think you look at a Burnley and a Tarkovsky, I think a player like that would suit Liverpool uh, immensely because even with Virgil van Dijk fit, there isn't a good enough player to back him up. He will bring people on, of course, but I just don't think your Gomez, even Fabinho, you're, like Fabinho is good enough to play aside Virg, uh, like beside Virgil van Dijk, but when he plays, when he plays centre back, you know, you're you're missing a part of your puzzle in the midfield. Then he needs to play at the base of the midfield for uh, Fabinho. Otherwise, yeah. Liverpool lose a lot. We're seeing over the last few games they're losing a lot in their midfield as regards you know defensive steel and obviously a small bit of creativity that Fabinho brings. He's just the presence around the middle. Um, so I think it's not good enough playing him centre back. I think he needs to play at the base of midfield to, to give to give that platform for Liverpool, the boys up front, to give them that platform to work off. Uh, yeah, I think a Tarkovsky for Liverpool would definitely benefit them. I suppose looking at the table here now, you look at a Man United. Look, it's hard to know what who or what won't work for Man United. You, I've been crying out for a defender for a long time. They put their eggs into the Harry Maguire basket he hasn't been a flop but it's on and off yeah. um, midfield look they bought a, there's no point in saying to bring in another midfielder you have a Pogba there you have a Donny van de Beek who's barely getting a look in all season who probably would be a good enough player to give them something different I just think they need you know a bit more creativity up front on the wings I think Martial Rashford are good strikers I just think you need that winger uh, to 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 connect it all together, you know, to 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 play those channels, you know, play those wide channels, get the ball in the box, take a man on. I don't think they have a real dribbler at the club. Rashford is a good dribbler, Martial is a good dribbler, but only they're not predominantly creative or dribbler players. They're finishers. They are good finishers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose Leicester City. I don't know. They seem to be. They're a well-rounded side. You wouldn't mind seeing maybe another winger come in for them as well. You know, there's not. It's it's tough in January because there's not a lot going on. There never was, even when money was 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 being thrown around left, right, and center. There was never many options. Yeah, um, exactly. In January, because all the best players want to move in the summer because they'll get the best deals uh, with the best clubs. So, yeah. anything that would probably be done now with a lot of these big clubs, even with Arsenal and Isco, like Isco would be a good option for Arsenal if they can't get Awa. You get Isco for six months. So say if if Arsenal are, cha- are chasing Awa or or whoever else is their number number one or number two target, but they won't get them till the summer. I think an Isco would be a great option for six months. Yeah, That's it. exactly. Nothing else beyond that. Nothing else beyond that. 
because I think Emil Smith-Rowe is after showing over the last few games that he's ready to play at this level but he's not ready to play 90 minutes two to three times a week no, he needs no. help but yeah, he, he is ready to be part of the to, he is ready to be part of the squad week in week out so if you bring in someone like an Isco a Buendia as well um to, and then you rotate though that uh, position between Smith Rowe and Isco because we've sh- Arsenal have shown over the last two games that when you have that little that creative spark in behind whether Lacazette or Aubameyang with Martinelli and Saka either side it does create something it does give you know low block teams like Brighton were last night more to think of more to think about yeah so, exactly yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna be reiterated but like loan deals are gonna be a big part of this and I think. <sighs> If, if, if teams look at what they need and like how much money they have or how much money they're going to have in the summer that they don't want to spend it now, I think there'll be a, a few temporary deals just to get lot, get teams over the line to where they want to be. Like I'm looking at the Premier League table right now, lad, and like Arsenal in 13th are 10 points off second place Man United. That might seem That might seem like a lot, but like it's not when teams are yo-yoing so much this season. Like, you know, Man United have been yo-yoing are just a complete yo-yo team with their form at the moment. Liverpool are just not showing the same class that they did last year, albeit they set a high standard. The last two seasons, Liverpool's standards have been immense. They were never going to keep it up for a third season. The fact that they're top of the table now with their up-and-down form just goes to show probably how bad the Premier League is at the minute, but also shows that Liverpool... You know, they don't lose many games. They've lost one game this season, drawn six, won nine. You know, if they get that mentality of no, uh, they get that no lose mentality, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that. But like every team in between, like, you know, Arsenal are, Arsenal and Newcastle. Newcastle are 19 points, Arsenal are 20 points, Everton are on 29 points. There's nine points separating ter- 13th and 4th. You don't know what I mean? So I think January. For a temporary solution for a lot of teams, loan deals will be the thing to get. Try and get teams over the line. Get that little thing they're missing, because Chelsea drew again. La- uh, did Chelsea draw again last night? Uh, or, was it, yes. or, or did they play yet? Um, Chelsea. I don't know, I think. Or did they play Monday? Didn't they? They played Monday. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, they drew. I think they I think drew they played Monday and they drew. Yeah. So, you know, they drew against Villa on Monday. So look. I don't know, man. It, it, it's going to be a really interesting Premier League because Man United are three points behind Liverpool with a game in hand right now. Now, you can't trust Man United to take advantage of that. But, like, no team... Like, the form team in the Premier League at the minute is Everton. With the last five games, they've won four, drawn one. Yeah. You know what I mean? They are the form team in the Premier League at the minute, and they were at the start. But, like, that could change again. It's just... Hey, look, I'm telling you, COVID is just impacted these teams so so much from a fatigue point of view from missing players point of view Arsenal being without being without Gabriel Tottenham the Tottenham game and the City game being called off because of Covid tests and Covid scares you know what I mean man like even if even when those games start going again like when City play their next game or Tottenham play their next game you know they might be without two or three players you know what yeah, I mean so I... and that is huge even for teams with as deep pockets as them so it's going to be interesting man I think I think January even though I'm saying it's, it's not going to be big as regards money, I think yeah. it's extremely important as regards recruitment, even if it's temporary deals. Yeah, I suppose the the question questions I've had, obviously you you touched base on it, obviously with with COVID, um, obviously they've had the the new kind of um, kind of 
hit of COVID and kind of the uh, a new form of it kind of come into the UK there, and then obviously um, with uh, the Premier League testing, they've had their their highest recording of eighteen cases across kind of all the Premier League testing. Um, and then obviously with Everton, Man City, Spurs and Fulham being postponed due to obviously the positive testing and that. Um, do you think kind of, do you see or do you think that a break of like a week or two is needed kind of to help kind of with these rise in the cases? Well, like a winter break should probably happen. A winter break should probably happen in the Premier League anyway. I think it's yeah. ridiculous that they're not. Like, it, there's probably a team of the last few podcasts I've been on. It's been player welfare. I think it's the players first, and you can pay players as much as you want. You know, you can say they're this or that, but they're human beings at the end of the day. And there's a reason why every other major league in Europe has a your has a winter fucking break. Yeah, and you know what I mean. And there's a reason for that. It's not just oh they're weaklings. Oh, you know you're they're not hard. You know oh, we're we're English. We don't need a, a winter break. You know. Fuck like, come on, get with the times. And I think a two a two week break, I think, would do the Premier League a world of good as regards that. Um, they could still train within their bubble, but like it's all the moving around, man. You throw the internationals into it, obviously, when they were playing Champions yeah. League and Europa League as well. Obviously, I don't, I, I don't know, not with Premier League teams. I know it didn't seem like the Champions League and Europa League affected the the Premier League teams uh, in question. Yeah, uh, but like certainly over the last while. Last week or two, the cases have kind of have, have skyrocketed to 18, which you said is the biggest across all the teams put together. Like that's staff, that's players, that's staff, that's managers uh, of all the clubs. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know if that has a, a direct connection with some fans being let back in the stadium. Probably not. But like, yeah, I think you. I think like weeks two and three of January. Or even weeks three or four of January, the last two weeks of January, I think you take a two week break and just let it settle and then go up, go at it again. I don't think you'll lose much time. Yeah, like, like as they did last season, I think even they took, they gave teams even just a week and kind of they integrated. So they had some games on one week and then the next week some teams weren't playing. Yeah, they they tested it, didn't they? Yeah. They tested a sort of winter break last season, yeah, before COVID. Yeah, and I honestly think that something is needed, especially if they want to combat with this. Like, obviously, like the way you look at this down the line, if they don't, um, obviously deal with this enough, like the the things that could lead to obviously is f- future tournaments or future things being affected. Like, obviously, the Euros. If this isn't dealt with correctly, and the cases obviously don't go down, especially with the vaccine coming in, um, like what you're looking at is later down the line next season being affected um the the euros could be pushed back again or completely cancelled which could lead to the world cup obviously being affected like there there's a lot of kind of things that can be affected by this if it's not dealt with correctly so i just don't understand why just even just the uk like whether they give that week to the team or whether they give two weeks or what like there should be some sort of thing to obviously deal with this that they should be doing and the fact that the Premier League came out today and said that there was no real discussions ongoing in regards to a break I, I just don't understand it, especially after they see in that two two matches being postponed and then obviously now there's no fans coming into any of the stadiums now but obviously Liverpool now uh, entering tier three 
So it's yeah. It's, well, it 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 appears that like the the main football bodies of FIFA and UEFA have kind of brought a pressure on themselves by having so much, so many fixtures and, you know, having so many upcoming events, moving the Euros, they obviously had to move the Euros, moving it to this summer, they probably feel obliged to get all these games out of the way as quick as they can. Yeah. So, Euro 2021 is not Euro 2022, you know what I mean, as well. Yeah. So, they're, 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 they probably feel a bit under pressure to get these fixtures out. Like, I don't know what way the rest of Europe is working, but i seen there was the La Liga, there was La Liga matches yesterday and tonight. I've never seen that over Christmas. Like, has that has that been a thing, or did they think that a winter break in January, like everyone else? I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't ever remember seeing the Liga matches around Christmas. So, are they disregarding their winter break as well? Yeah, like I think the only league I don't know. The no, only league genuinely asking. Yeah, like with usually usually Spain it literally takes a break until I think it's about the sixth of January. Usually now I did see kind of in between they did take about 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 a week's break, so that probably is their winter break. They took about a week, um. So that was probably their winter break because of the because I know amount of fixtures. I know the German league take their break nearly all of January on a normal season. Yeah. Um, they nearly take all of January off and then have a game the last week of January and then they're off again. Yeah. Um, but don't... Uh, do the German... Does the German league have 20 teams? or do they have No, like they 18, have... 19? They have about 18, I think it is, in the German league. So they have slightly yeah, less right, so that yeah. they can facilitate that now. I do see the German league returning a bit sooner than they usually do, obviously because they're, again, they're probably in the same boat. They have to get all their fixtures out of the way. Um, but yeah, like even with the as regards the Premier League, like even if you don't want to take a two week break, a week take a weekend off. Yeah, you know what I mean. So take like have a fixtures on your on your Saturday Sunday, then have Monday to Sunday off, and then start games again Monday Monday to Monday off, and then start games from that Tuesday Wednesday again. Yeah, even if they wanted to do something like that, just give it a break for a week. Or two. I think two should be would be better, but like for the sake of realness, probably a week off is probably real realistic. But I don't know if, like, I don't know what the discussions are. If there even are, there has to be discussions about it because they have two games postponed now. Yeah, but that's not good enough, and it shouldn't be good enough in their eyes. Um. So look, I don't know what's going to happen. It's uh, they have a lot on their plate at the minute to deal with, and I just hope that the right decision is made. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing that I kind of found annoying, and even Everton have come out and said, obviously with the the postponement of the, the Everton City game, and they them only being informed literally three three or four hours before kickoff, obviously isn't good enough because yeah, they weren't th- they weren't given a valid reason for it. Obviously, um, they just said that obviously that this game has been postponed, and they still want some details and still haven't been given some details on why it was postponed. Um, yeah, um, that's not good enough. Like, it's just yeah. for a professional organization, it's just what's with the secrecy? Like, you, they need to know. The, you either know the morning of or not. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, po- it's just poor planning. Um, or look, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not as informed about it, so maybe my opinion means little on it. But like, I just think you need some sort of break for a week or two because I, I really think if you give if you don't give a week or two of a break, I think you risk having the Premier League being postponed again. Yeah. You know what I mean? For 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 a month. Like, would you rather take a two weeks off or be postponed for a month? 
I don't know. Well, I do know. Two weeks. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I don't know. I, I think I think I think small sacrifices have to be made to en- to ensure bigger disasters don't happen. Yeah, and I suppose it is something we're kind of gonna we're gonna see in the next few weeks, depending obviously. Um, with it like obviously as we saw in Ireland now we're, we've gone into our third lockdown like and a lot of the UK is entering that and Europe is entering kind of these lockdowns and if they're not careful enough with how they're looking after obviously the players in the leagues like we're gonna see a repeat of last last season with the whole lockdown for one or two months at least um, and no football on TV or whatsoever or sport so I think it's something they need to look consider and look into themselves and I we will see what kind of what happens over the next few weeks because I will I I can guarantee that we will see more developments and more talks ongoing between all the clubs obviously in regards to this if there's any more games postponed. Yeah, well obviously with all the talk of the vaccine and people have already received the vaccine, you know the the most vulnerable and the healthcare workers rightfully so. I think people's guards have gone down. I think, I, I think some people think, okay, this is it now. We can just do what we want, even if we don't have the vaccine. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think a lot of clubs in professional environments are have put their guard down a little bit, and that's why we've seen, you know, the City match and, and the Spurs match being cancelled, um, which is disappointing and surprising in a way from a professional organisation that 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 just isn't really good enough. Yeah. Um. But then again, the players have to be responsible for that as well. Um, you know, around Christmas time, festivities—if you do or don't celebrate Christmas—you know, there's other religions and there's other, you know, there's other celebrations. If people don't celebrate it as a Christian religion, they celebrate it as other ones, and there's gatherings, and you know, it's 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 a bit messy. Uh, and I and I think that a lot of people who probably broke covid res- uh, restrictions over christmas uh, have been found out with with these positive tests um, yeah. and i just think and, and here look it, it's hard it's hard to to argue against it's, it's hard to you know not not feel sorry for some of them because it's christmas you want to be around family despite restrictions you know there isn't going to be a policeman outside your house to pull to drag you out just because you broke covid restrictions you know there's this element of trust there from the government that people won't do it but at the same time i do understand why you know it may have laxed a bit or lapsed a bit over christmas because you know it's christmas and, and you know people wanted to see their families want to see their friends and you know maybe a bit of complacency within some of the staff and players in those clubs have come to the fro here now as well and unfortunately it's resulted in 18 positive tests across the premier league and yeah, you know it's it's an unfortunate thing, but I think when players are paid as much money as they are, they just need to behave. I think like as harsh as it is, it's easy for me to sit here and say it about it. When you know, no matter how much money you make, you'll still be a human being with emotions who need to see people and who will get lonely if they don't see their friends and family. But like, I just think for the year that was in it and stuff like that, it is tough on them. But here, yeah, look, hopefully, exactly. it's just a blip on the radar. And uh, it, it, we won't need a break. It'll just come back down to normal uh, for the Premier League point of view as well. Obviously for the rest of the world, but from the Premier League point of view, you know, hopefully it, it, it's, it's a warning to the rest of the clubs that this isn't over. You still need to comply as much as you did at the start. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, I suppose we'll just have to see over the next couple of weeks what happens. Um, I suppose moving on, kind of the one positive we can take, obviously from the weekend, is it looks like Arsenal have have finally realised how to how to perform <laughs> in the league and uh, have for the first time since the start of the season won back to back games. Um, so obviously they beat uh, Chelsea, which was a good result at the weekend, and then they kind of grinded out a tough uh, 1-0 result against Brighton last night. Um, what kind of did you see kind of was the difference when you were watching it um, from your own perspective, obviously? W- what was different and in how they performed to the rest of the season? Like, how has it kind of changed for you from what you can see? Well, it just seems from the Chelsea, from the get-go, it just, like, I, obviously I didn't watch the game live, Um I was in work, but like I had it recorded at home. I came back and watched the full thing, knowing the result. And it just, it just seemed like there was an energy about about Arsenal. And I think that is directly related to Emil Smith Rowe and Gabriel Martinelli uh, and Bakayo Saka, but especially the other two being brought into the team. That injection of energy and 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 want and and, and you know wanting the ball technically gifted on the ball driving forward looking for forward passes forward one runs that kind of like was infectious to the rest of the team like even Lacazette even the senior players Lacazette even Xhaka can't believe I'm saying this Xhaka Xhaka is a player who who, you know we've discussed on this podcast before who we're not a massive fan of and we think we should sell but I have to give him credit he does have this remarkable capacity to pull a performance out of the bag when his back's against the wall and when everyone else is against him. He does yeah. have that in his locker. He doesn't do it often enough, but like he wasn't, he, he did do that on, on uh, against Chelsea. His intensity, the tackling, you know, and, and the passing, the, the pass he gave for Tierney for the penalty decision, which by the way, is a stonewall penalty. Yeah, no, de- clear, clearly was, was like, I don't know what, I don't know what Gary Neville was on about. Like, you know, it's a smart, it's smart from Tierney. He felt enough contact and went down. Like, what else do you want him to do in that situation? You know, he, he got clipped. If you think it's not, if you think that's not a big enough contact to bring someone down, I'm sorry, you need to watch more football because there was penalties given for less this season, especially when the new rules this season has ha- seen more penalties given, you know, and VAR looked at it. I think VAR, you know, I, I think it was just a stonewall penalty because it's yeah, rewarding definitely. a positive attack in play. Um. Yeah, look, I I just, I just think then obviously Lacazette stepped up, put the penalty away, um, and then I suppose Jacket with as I just mentioned with that free kick, you know, fair. Jacket's free kicks or shots, you know, he probably scores one in every twenty, but the one that goes in is always a cracker. Um, and he pulled it out of the bag for that one. He really did. It was it was it was a world class strike. Um, the Mendy wasn't getting as big as he is. Was getting nowhere near that. And, you know, as I said, credit to him. He seems to be a very much like guy in the dressing room because he was absolutely mobbed after that as well, straight away after it, um, too. Um, and then Saka, of course, just he's the man He's the man at the moment in Arsenal at the minute. He's the, he's the golden boy. He's he's everything that Arsenal need to be and, and should be in the next in the future. He definitely meant that. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's I was, was going to ask you that. He's seen him. Uh, yeah. I was gonna ask you, did you think? Did you think, yeah, he, did you think he meant it? Yeah, he seen him off. He seen it off his line. The goal's gonna be credited to Saka. You know, if you think it's a cross, just leave, leave him be. You know, stop, stop, the, stop hating. 
You know, he meant yeah. it. It's a goal. It went in. It's going to be credited to Saka. And if it's credited to him, he meant it. Yeah. Um, he said he meant it. He's not lying. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, the way you look yeah. at it um, is, obviously, with, with that goal, like, if you look, obviously literally seconds beforehand before he took that extra touch he looked at where mendy was he looked up yeah, yeah. um so he yeah it's it's something i know especially as being a forward myself like i know it, it might look like you meant to cross that but i i know for well from my own experience that he definitely did mean that like <laughs> Well, if it was you, you definitely meant to cross. <laughs> you ever scored a goal like that? <laughs> Go away or that? But no, here, look, here, look, it was a bit nervy at the end of the Chelsea game, um, which, which it always is. Here, look, yeah, when when Arsenal bet Chelsea three uh, nil under Arsene Wenger a couple of years ago, when Sanchez and Ozil both scored, you know, Chelsea were putting us under the cosh at the end of that game as well. Even the Invincibles, when Arsenal bet Chelsea before three one. You know, Chelsea always had that period right at the end where they were hammering tongs at Arsenal. And I was very yeah. nervy. Um, yeah, look, Pablo Marie giving away the penalty. I think that's just a little bit of fatigue um, because, you know, it was his first start for Ars- uh, in the Premier League for Arsenal this season. He's been riddled with injuries since he arrived. Um, and Leno, here, look, wasn't a great penalty, but you know, it's a great save. Uh, fair yeah. play to Leno. He's, he's really, really shown his worth uh, over his last few games. Uh, I don't like. I don't know where we'd be without Leno at the minute. He he is he is a top quality keeper. Maybe not world class, but he's definitely top class keeper. Oh, definitely. And, um, we'll, we'll fully I agree think he, with that. He showed his metal, metal there. Look, it's 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 difficult. You know, Thiago Silva sticks that header which he should have. It's a very different game. Mm. Um, and obviously Tammy Abraham sticking it in and a three-one. Yeah, look, it, it's always great to beat Chelsea. Chelsea look Chelsea looked very bad on the day. If I'm being honest, they just I th- I think. Frank Lampard is a below average manager. I just don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's a good enough manager to have taken that step um, at the minute. I don't know if you disagree with me or not. I'm not just saying that because it's Chelsea, but I just really, really think that you know they've given them all, they've given them all this money to spend, and they've given them all these players. It's kind of like a PSG in a way. They've bought all these players, but I don't know if they have a plan for them. Like they had a fully fit squad against a very, very poor Arsenal side. Yeah, like a very poor form Arsenal side. And got spanked in the first half. Yeah, like so... when you look at their obviously their the players that they've brought in, and like you've got Kai Havertz, who was one of the standout performers in the Bundesliga last season, and Timo Werner again, same thing for him, standout performer in the Bundesliga last season. And Timo Werner had his little glimpse at the start of the season where he looked good, but again for both of them, they just don't seem to be hitting it, and that is something whether whether it's it's the pace of the league or stuff like that or you don't know but it is something that are they playing him in the right position they seem to be playing him out yeah. the wing he's a striker i know he can play on the wing but he made his he made his he, you know his meat and drink with leipzig and stuttgart before that was yeah. striker he's lethal in those positions he's a good finisher but he He's not getting in those positions enough because they think Tammy Abraham's a better footballer than him. Tammy Abraham's a very good footballer. But in order to get the best out of Werner, it's either or. You can't play two of them and Werner out wide. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have that capacity to be able to play out wide. He doesn't have that creativity to, to, uh, to play out wide. You know what no, I mean? It's kind of it's similar to Aubameyang in a way, but the only thing when, when Aubameyang was playing from the left, they accommodated him to cut in, whereas yeah, Werner yeah. isn't doing that as much. Um, and then I don't know why 
I like this is why I think he's a below average manager. It was hitting me in the face while I was watching it in the last fifteen minutes. Chelsea were putting in cross after cross. Why didn't they throw on Giroud? Like, yeah, I, I think he's brain dead. You need to throw Giroud on in those situations. He's proven time and time again with his, his time with Arsenal, not as much with Chelsea, but obviously a little bit with Chelsea, that he's your man to bring on and he will pull something out of the bag for you. And I very much think if they brought a Giroud on, it might have been a different story. Um, you know, he, he he could pull a Scorpion. He could, obviously, he's great in the head. You know, it's... I don't know. Here, look, I think Chelsea, you know, they drew it. I know they had one day's rest, which wasn't really fair either. They drew with Villa on Monday. Um, I don't know. I just think, I think the Premier League, the top four is wide open, man. Even Arsenal, like it's amazing, absolutely amazing to think Arsenal have have lost eight games uh, this Premier League season and are still only nine points off Ford. Yeah, like <laughs> you well, know what I mean. I was watching. That's amazing to think. Yeah, that. I was watching. Was a Sky Sports today, and they were talking about obviously the league, and like no team in the league has gone on a run of four wins in a row this season. Um, like they've said, the most no. the most a team has won is three in a row, and that's it. Like you, that well, is... Ever, Ever, Everton have now. Yeah. Since uh, since that last their result, their last result of the weekend. I think it was probably uh, the weekend. They last. Uh, they best Sheffield United. That was their fourth win in a row. They're the only team to have done it. Yeah. Like other other than that, like so. it's it, every team is kind of they go they'll get the one or two wins and then they'll the the lose or they get a draw like it's it's a very very open league and I think you can see obviously one impact of it is the fans you don't have a full stadium so a lot of teams are losing at home now than they would like Arsenal have lost a record amount of home at home than they've ever done in literally mm. other seasons like it just shows that the lack of fans and the lack of that has has affected that and it's very hard for a manager obviously you're noticing that with some managers as well it's very hard to get much out of the two uh, lots more out of the players when you don't have that kind of drive i don't think some teams i've watched i don't see some teams having the drive now the difference I saw with, with Arsenal, obviously, at the weekend and yesterday is there was a drive. They know they knew that, lads, like we need to seriously cop on. Otherwise, we're going to be looking at relegation potentially this season. And I think that is something kind of that bringing the young lads in. Like Martinelli, watching from the get-go, was chasing every single ball down, was trying to win back every ball. Whether it was back to the keeper, he'd be chasing it down to put pressure on the keeper. Same with Emile Smith-Rowe. Having those young legs, they just wanted to give their heart and soul into every little, every minute of the performance. And I think that's what helped drive, say, the older players like your Lacazettes and all that kind of push forward. Um, and like watching Brighton yeah. yesterday, obviously Arteta made the difference where he he brought uh, Aubameyang into the starting lineup over Lacazette, even though Lacazette had scored at the weekend. But that gave Lacazette the drive that when he came on within 21 seconds, he, he goes and scores. Like it just shows there's a bit of a difference. So I don't know what he's done behind, behind the scene, but he seemed to have got kind of the team back motivated again. And obviously the win got them motivated again as well, which was great. Like to see. Yeah. Well, obviously the young players, Martinelli is Smith Rowe has kind of, and obviously Saka 
has energised the team again. And Lacazette, you know, he scored three goals in his last three games now, um, four in his last seven. So, you know, he, he's our top scorer at the minute. You know, he's he's in he's in good form at the minute. I think he starts a, ahead of Aubameyang against West Brom on Saturday, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think Aubameyang, you know, he had a, he had a gilt-edge chance against Brighton when it was nil-nil, when Saka played a beautiful ball into him from the left-hand side, and he should have stuck it. He really should have stuck it. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, you know, it's a bit criminal that he didn't stick it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I think like what's happened now is that these young players have come in and have given the senior players a little bit of kick up the arse. Like if a William comes back in or a Pepe comes back in, you know, they'll have to prove to, to themselves to stay in the team. If they come back in and give the same performances they've been given all season, they're they have to be out again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we have to take care of Smith Rowe and Martinelli. Martinelli's back from a serious knee injury. Smith Rowe has had soft tissue tissue injuries plagued you know, during his short career already. So, you know, we have to manage these players too. They can't play every single game. They yeah. have to be uh, an option for every single game to play at the start. If it was like if they were playing one game a week, they would start every week on my in my book. But yeah. the fact is, fixtures are going to come ticking fast now between the Premier League, FA Cup, and the Europa League, obviously in February as well. So I think that you know they've obviously brought that injection, that new life into the team. And um, yeah, look, teams around Arsenal, Newcastle are one point behind Arsenal with a game in hand. Wolves in 12th with 21 points. You know, any team that goes on a run right now, you know, will be at the top end of the table because there's no consistency. No one has found consistency in the yeah. league uh, as like as much as Everton has now at the minute. Yeah, they're sitting in four, but they're still four points off top. You know, Arsenal are, are nine points off fourth, 10 points off second, 13 points off first. You know, that's not that bad when yeah. in the context of the season where no one's been consistent. Like, I thought when Liverpool had their two victories uh, recently in a row, I thought, okay, here we go. Liverpool are back. You know, they're going to be that that kind of consistent machine that they've yeah. been for the last two seasons. But, like, obviously that hasn't panned out in the last two games, which they did, still didn't lose. They drew. But, um, but yeah, it's just... It's, it's consistency is hard to come by in the Premier League teams at the, at the minute. And I think you put a run of three, four games together, you're right up the table. Exactly. Um, because you know teams around teams around you are going to drop points. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a January for transfer perspective. It's, perspective is going to be a brilliant watch, I think. See who brings in who, who adds that bit of injection into a team. Because I think that'll be the difference. I think the January window could be the difference for some of these teams. Just a little bit, something different, a little bit of injection from somewhere, just to kind of get them over the line. And then the rest of the season, we'll see how it pans out. It, it's kind of, I you know, I was fearful for Arsenal um, for a couple of weeks there, and we, rightfully so. I'm still fearful. They're still kind of looking yeah. over their shoulder a small bit. But now, with with you know, they're winning their, winning their last two games with three so-called favourable fixtures coming up. You know, I think they have every right to be confident and try and look up the table this time. Yeah, and I suppose like one or two other players, I think that kind of stood out to me in the performances as well as I thought like Pablo Mari looked very, very comfortable in defence. Yeah, I know in the Chelsea one he kind of fatigued, obviously towards the end, but I thought he, um, he looked very comfortable in there with holding, um, and I thought that was something I saw obviously before his injury as well. But he seems to. 
kind of have settled in there with holding he seems they seem to be the right fit together like whether you had instead obviously with holding playing with uh gabrielle as well and that like that seems to obviously with gabrielle missing that seems to have kind of gelled together um and hopefully kind yeah, of yeah well it seems like pablo it seems like pablo Marie has has proved himself that he's a solid backup yeah gabrielle because Holden, Holden has actually proved his consistency over these last few games as well. Not yeah. only the games where we've won, but the games where we've lost and drawn as well. You can't really point to Holden for any of the mistakes. He's been yeah. consistently a six, six and a half, seven out of ten this season so far. Nothing special to catch your eye, but he hasn't put a foot wrong. And you know, fair play to him. He, he's probably the first name on the team sheet at the minute. It's, it's, it's probably our par- our preferred partnership at the minute is probably Holding and. Gabriel, yeah. Um, if you're playing a back four, or if you're playing a back three, you're probably looking at a holding Gabriel plus a Louise or a Marie, you know. But I think they're trying to go for. I think they're going to stick with a back four now. They'll obviously interchange depending on the game, but I think predominantly Arsenal will play with a back four. And I think you'll look at holding and Gabriel being your your two men. And I think Marie is is a you know especially over the last you know, where he's played the last two games, he's been solid. Yeah, uh, he's he has the ball. He's you know he obviously he's so he's so freaking tall he's very good in the air yeah um and you know it helps that he's a absolutely handsome chap as well yeah exactly um i suppose then kind of looking at the arsenal perspective as like what do you kind of see happening in january for for us i suppose in regards to obviously outgoings and in incomings um well, I think an obvious one for an outgoing at the minute is probably Reese Nelson. He hasn't been in the in the last four or five squads, especially since he's been upgraded to nine subs, and he's not injured. Yeah. Um, so I think he's definitely lined up for at least a loan for yeah. January, which is a bit strange because when Ant- when Arteta came in, he he very much talked Nelson up and gave him a chance. Then he seemed to fall out of favour. Then at the start of this season again, he seemed to fall back into favour. He had obviously decent, decent, um, decent form in the Europa League this season, but I think now he's dropped out again. So I think on that merit, I think that, you know, he's he's probably on his way out of the club. Uh, I think, you know, definitely for a loan this in January anyway. Um, whether what will happen in the summer, I don't know, but I think he's definitely going to be out on loan in January. For everyone else, it's very difficult because I think in order for Arsenal to bring anyone in, they need to move someone on. Um, you know, you're not going to get rid of an Ozil. You're not going to get rid of a Mustafi. Socrates, I don't know. That's been very, very quiet ever since the summer. So there's nothing going around about him. But he's not in the squad anyway. So I don't know. It's 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 hard to see. I, th- I think realistically, you're looking at maybe a Reese Nelson loan. Um it's probably the only outgoing incoming i think arsenal will do something yeah i think they'll do it, it i think they'll have one signing i think it'll be a loan signing unless they get who they want uh yeah, yeah unless they their number one target in whatever position it is probably creative midfielder is available in january at a good price i think it'll be a loan yeah I'm not sure who it is or who it'll be but um i think it'll be at least at least one in and at least one out. Yeah. Well, like, I suppose looking at it from myself, like, realistically, what I would like to see, obviously, uh, which I agree with you, you're looking at 
the dead weights that do not play. So obviously your Socrates, your Mezzodosal, your um like your your three or four players that you don't realistically aren't in Arsenal's plans and ha- haven't been mentioned really in Arsenal's plans at all. You'd lo- love to see them go. Um, I do see maybe the likes of Kolasinac potentially going, depending on obviously there were clubs interested in whether they'll come back for him, whether it's on a loan with the option to buy or with the obligation to buy um, at the end of the season. Um, I could see that something like that happening. William Saliba, probably something will happen there, whether they send him on loan. I, I, I don't realistically see him staying, obviously. It'll be on a loan to get him game time because he's not playing really apart from for the under-23s, which obviously all Arsenal fans just still don't understand to this day what, what happened there. Um, incomings, uh, I see, as you said... I. I agree with you on that. Unless Arsenal get there, the primary target, I don't see a permanent signing. It'll probably be loan signing. I would love to see a second-choice keeper come in as well. I just don't think Renarsson is a second-choice. And if Leno got injured, I don't think he'd be well-suited to us. So I can see them potentially looking at another goalkeeper um, if, if that comes available for them. Um, but we we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, it's going to be a, an interesting window to see what happens with Arsenal. I suppose in regards to if they'll be busy, obviously with outgoings or incomings. Um, because there is a lot needed, I think, to change for sure. Um, in the next two transfer windows in the club, um, and it would be nice to see it kind of begin in the January transfer window. Yeah, it's it's hard to see. It's hard to see a lot of those things being done, if being honest, because yeah. we're not flushed with cash. Um, and yeah, it will take. It, like I, I think we've thrown in with Runnerson for this season now, so I think it's at least this season he will get he will get one season as a, as a second choice keeper. I think that will be addressed in the summer if other if other areas are addressed first. I don't think it's a priority to, to get a, a better second choice keeper. If I'm being honest, I, I want it as well. Um, but I don't think it's as, as a priority. I think you get rid of those deadweight players, get those money off, get that money off the books, try and invest in young, exciting, cheap enough talents. Um, you know, I don't think Arsenal will be pushing out the boat. I think if Arsenal are going to push out the boat this summer, it'll be for one player and one player only, with a few smaller, cheaper, younger investments, which I'd be happy with, to be honest, this summer. Uh, that's why I only see loan deals in January, man, because there's just no money. And, yeah. it's, and in order to get money, you need to you need to get money back by giving by letting these players go, selling these players, moving them on. And I don't think that'll happen. As I said before, like your Mustafis and Kalasinac, who's contract out in the summer, would you rather wait around for five to six months, you know, playing on and off on a healthy wage package package? Um, and then get a huge sign-on bonus to a club in the summer with huge wages, or would you rather go to a lesser club on lesser wages uh, in January? You know, so that's why I think you know I don't think you'll see any other movement other than loan out of Arsenal in January. I don't think anyway because we've given them their wages and we've made our bed now. We have to lie in it. Uh, yeah. Until they're out of contract, and I and I think you know Kalasnach is probably our most realistic to be sold, uh, bar 
you know, Gwenduzi and Torreira who are out on loan and, you know, Mavropanos as well. But like, um, yeah, here, look, we've given these, these lads big, big contracts and uh, they have every right to wait it out until their contracts run out. Yeah, and it is going to be interesting to see kind of with a lot of clubs kind of how busy they'll be over the next few weeks because I don't think it's going to be a, a straightforward one. Like, I do think there will might be, you might see there'll be one or two surprises in there. But realistically, as you said, as we said earlier, we, I think it'll be a loan, a loan um, transfer window. Majority of teams will go for loans, um, whether it's loans uh, with an option to buy, loans with obligation to buy, um, whether it's um, loans, obviously, until their contracts expire with the club and then they make the decision from there whether they want to keep them. Um, but we will probably see, obviously, with the players that are coming to the end of their contracts in the summer, I think we will see a few players make maybe pre-contract agreements with other clubs, whether if they want to move. Like, obviously, one of the big names, I think, everyone's going to keep an eye on in the next in this transfer window is Lionel Messi to see if he does anything now realistically I don't see him doing anything he'll probably leave it until the summer to make his decision um because he'd be focused on his uh obviously with Barcelona um and then you've got some other big players obviously in say likes of Liverpool you got Gini Wijnaldum question is on him is whether he wants to sign a new deal or whether he'll go to Barcelona because Ronald Koeman's looking at him or even another team in in europe like uh, the bigger teams so it is going to be in general a good transfer window obviously for kind of keeping an eye out on these kind of things that you can see um and i think as an arsenal fan we would love several things to happen in the transfer window but as you said i we don't see much happening maybe one or two incomings or one or two outgoings not much in general um to change the team yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything you said there, man. I think it's uh, it'll be an interesting window because I think there will be a few interesting loans that will happen. Um, but I don't foresee anything massive yeah. uh, happening, a big shock. I don't, I don't foresee that. The messy situation will be sorted. It will be sorted out in the summer if it's sorted out at all. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose that's probably the best part to kind of end this episode. So um, I suppose obviously we've hit episode 10. So I'd like to kind of thank everyone um, for uh, listening and following along with the podcast and listening to it. Um, and it's nice to see people enjoying uh, the episodes. As always, if you would like to follow for more or to get involved, um, just send myself or Tommy a message on social media. So I'm at littlemar ten. Um, and Tommy is at uh, Tominator underscore 176. Uh, we would love to have uh, more people involved in future episodes or hear some feedback on some things you'd love to see in future episodes. Uh, until then, keep listening and stay safe. Thanks again, Tommy. No problem at all, brother.